Well, good evening, good evening. No, I'm not tired. I have a sermon illustration I'm preparing for. It's like he's got chairs up there. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll shout out to Katrina for happy birthday. Come on. Sharing her birthday with us Saturday night. Appreciate that. Pastor Justin and his family, a little little fall vacation getaway, but just wanted to give a shout out to him too. This month marks his 11 years of being on staff with City Life Church. Come on. So if you know Justin, as many of you do, I hope that you're uh, just maybe this weekend just blowing up his, his phone, his social media with just some words of encouragement, just telling him how much you love him, how much you appreciate him. He did a phenomenal job with the message last week, did he not? Any sermon where you work in an, an impersonation of Yoda and a hoo-dee-hoo, right? Was that, how, right? I was like, come on. He's breaking it out. It was so good. I was watching it this week, and I was just, I'm just, there. If you, again, if you know them, you know their story. I was so inspired by his, the, the, the part of his teaching where he talked about our halal and our shabak, right, which is, if you're visiting tonight, you're like, what did he just say? We're, we're going to get to that. That our halal and our shabak is, is not dependent on how we feel. It's dependent on who God is, right? I was like, oh, come on. That's so good. And that's been true for them as a family with many of the hardships that they have faced with health with both Stephanie and their son. So such a good. If you've not watched that message or, or heard it, you need to check that out. You can get that on our, our church website or you can watch it on our YouTube channel. And let me just reiterate too, the, the, the men's, the, the pancake breakfast we're going to be doing together. That's part of Base Camp. Base Camp meets on the fourth Saturday of every month uh, at 8 a.m. And so we're going to take that Base Camp and move it into the cafe uh, do a pancake breakfast. I'm going to be sharing. I feel like God's given me a word for our men, so I'll be sharing that, and uh, it's, it's going to be good. And then we hope that that just helps you settle into a routine of the fourth Saturday of the month of joining us here uh, for a men's small group. So we are in a series. Joe, can you turn me down just a little bit, Jamal? Turn me down. We are in a series uh, called Holy Roar, which is based on a book by Chris Tomlin and Darren Whitehead. Uh, they, they, we're looking at the seven Hebrew words that translate praise. There's also a small group experience that works in conjunction with this. So we're here on Wednesday nights at 6.30, and then Chuck and Penny also have, our elders have an online experience if you can't get to the live one. So there's two ways for you to connect in. We preach on it on Saturday, and then we do a deep dive and we break it down on the following week through the small group experience. So even if you have missed the first one, then you jump in. Even if you can only come to a couple, then come to a couple. You're going to meet some people that are there and begin that journey of building some meaningful relationships. Holy roar. Here, here they are, right? There's a slide that's going to come up on the screen. The hands of praise, the celebration of praise, the music of praise, the expectation of praise, the posture of praise, the song of praise, and the shout of praise. When, when we're reading mostly in the book of Psalms and in our English Bibles, it says praise. What, it's important that we realize when these letters and books were originally written centuries ago, when it was written, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, that Jewish people, when they read these, they didn't see the word praise. They saw these words, 
And these words mean something very specific. So we, we see praise and we just kind of lump all of that in together. But, but they might have seen a word and it talked about lifting your hands. They saw a word and for them it might have meant bowing as we're going to talk about tonight. They might have seen a word and it means shout. And so I appreciate this book. I appreciate the work that they did of uncovering this study. And I pray it's going to be impactful and meaningful for you just as it has for me There is a reason why Scripture teaches us to step into moments like this, and each week we're going to be covering a a unique aspect of worship, a unique aspect of of praise, and then we're going to break down two of the words that are on this list of seven. Again, last week, Pastor Justin did halal and shabak, and then that's what we covered again in our small group on Wednesday, and then tonight we're going to do yadah and Barak, which is talking about the posture praise, the raising of the hands, and also kneeling and bowing. There is an expression of worship that we talk about here at City Life. There's going to be a slide that's going to come up with a little blank on there. How, how about we'll, we'll do the youth? Anybody over here in the youth section can tell me what the kind of worship we do here at City Life. It begins with a P. Anybody? You want to take a guess? You want to try? All right, I'm giving them first shot. All right, adults, anybody want to say, what's, what's, the, what's the word that should be up there? Jennifer? Psalmic, there you go, psalmic worship. Come on, people just don't, right? They don't clap when they lose. They don't like it. Psalmic worship, there's another slot that's going to pop up. Psalmic worship is the kind of worship that we do here at City Life. Not, not just City Life, but many churches, right? We're, we're not trying to be contemporary. I like to say we're trying to be ancient. Psalmic worship is this idea of an expression of praise that is expressive in nature, meaning that it's filled with emotion. Emotion is a good thing. Aren't you glad that God feels towards you? Aren't you glad that God has emotion towards us? It's okay. It's, it's not non-spiritual just because we feel it. In fact, I would say the more you feel it, the more spiritual it is. It should be expressive. It should be participatory, meaning that it's a worship experience that is unlike, say, maybe a concert, or maybe you go to a movie, you sit and you watch something as opposed to participating in it. Psalmic worship means that is there a band? Yes. Do we have someone leading us like Chris? Yes. But the idea is that we're all joining in this experience together. It's participatory. It's band-led through instruments. We're not using the same kinds of instruments that they might have used thousands of years. Technology changes, right? They didn't have electricity and amplification, so the technology might change. But the idea is that there are instruments that join in with our voices. It's prophetic in the sense that we believe when you step into worship-filled moments that God wants to speak to you. I've never heard his audible voice, but I like to say I feel his voice. And so many times in settings like this where we're praising and worshiping, I, I, I am talking to God about how I'm feeling, but I also have this part of me that's listening for him in case he wants to say something to me. And prophetic worship is loud. The idea of God's voice being still and small and quiet, is that in the Bible? It is, but it's actually the exception. It's the one that we relate to the most because it's the one we've been taught about the most. But the majority of the descriptions of God's voice from Genesis to Revelation, it's loud, it's robust, it compares it to things like the the rushing of many waters, psalmic worship. 
We don't do contemporary worship here. We do psalmic worship here. Contemporary in our methods, but ancient in our practice. Somebody say, when I praise. When I praise. I am an eternal, immortal being created by God to live and rule and reign with him forever. I'm going to keep working this into as many sermons as I can. Because I want you to learn this. If you're a parent, I want you to teach your children this. I want your children to grow up and this be the the foundation of their identity. That I'm an eternal, immortal being created by God to live and rule and reign with him forever. I hope that's how you see yourself. And all all of the life roles, all of the life roles that you have that are important, I hope everything about your identity starts with that statement. That statement and that identity is going to give you many things, but one of the things it's going to give to you is it's going to remind you of your most important need. And your most important need is to know God and to be known by Him. That's that's every person's deepest desire. No matter who they are, no matter what time period they've been born in, no matter what nation they are a part of, it transcends all cultural differences. Every person, if you have breath, your deepest desire, your deepest need is to know God And to be known by him. And the reason for that is because you are an immortal, eternal being created by him to live and rule and reign with him forever. When we get to Matthew 22, 34 to 40, this this verse is often called the greatest commandment because that's the question as it was posed to Jesus. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, right? They were always trying to trick Jesus, right? They were always trying to trip him up in some manner or some way. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. And one of them, an expert of the religious law, tried to trap him with this question, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Because they're thinking to themselves, if we can get him to emphasize one, then in some ways he's de-emphasizing another. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, in Deuteronomy 6, which is really what he's quoting, instead of mind, it is the word strength. And so sometimes, you might hear me repeat it, if we're going to repeat it for what the whole Bible says, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you've wondered and you've read in your Bible where is strength, that's where that word comes from. And you can insert it here, and it's appropriate. This is the first and the greatest commandment, Jesus says. A second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the commandments of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I want to suggest to you that Jesus isn't just giving us a command here. He's giving us a promise. That Jesus isn't just telling us something that we should do. He's describing an experience that we should have. Do you understand the difference between those two? He, he's, he isn't just saying this is something that, I, 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 that you need to do if you're going to be my disciple. He's saying this is something that you should have if you're my disciple. He, he's saying that if you make a vow of devotion to me, right, Jesus, and you're born into God's family, that the reality of your existence should be one that you have a feeling inside of you of love and intimacy and affection that flows from every part of your being, heart, soul, mind, and strength for God. And you should feel loved by him. 
Meaning that Jesus is describing the nature of the relationship that we should have with our Creator. He's describing the nature of the relationship that we should have with our Heavenly Father. Praise is an important part of that becoming your reality because of this principle. Acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy. So when I praise, feelings of love toward God grow in me and feelings of being loved by God grow in me. Let me say that again. Acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy. So when I praise, feelings of love toward God grow in me and feelings of being loved by God grow in me. Now, you know this to be true because every meaningful relationship that you have experiences this. If your marriage is a healthy marriage, one of the reasons why you have feelings of intimacy, one of the reasons why there are feelings of affection that you have with one another and towards one another is because you express yourself to one another. One of the reasons why there's feelings of intimacy that you have with your spouse is because you confide in them. If you're not married, you have a circle of friends that you're close to. It might be a family member. In fact, when we do our premarital counseling, one of the things that we talk about in our first session is this idea of leave and cleave, meaning, meaning that when you get married, it, it changes up your relational priorities and the people that maybe you used to confide in the most, now that needs to become your spouse. And if it doesn't, then it's going to impede your sense of intimacy that you have with each other. Think about the people in your life that you love the most. Think about the people in your life that you confide in the most. Think about the people that you feel the closest to, the people that you have the greatest sense of connection with. These are people that you share your laments with. They're the people that you share your hopes and dreams with. These are the people that... If you've got something going on inside of your heart that you know that you need to talk about... Those are the people that you reach for. And the reason why those are the people that you reach for is because you've done that with them in the past. There's been a pattern of doing that. And because there is a pattern of doing that, there is a sense of connection that you have with that person. Oftentimes with young people, it, it's a circle of friends, but then it can also be a teacher or a coach or a mentor the human heart was designed by God to connect with others in intimate, personal bonds of deep relationship. And then the way that those relationships begin to form are through acts of expression. If I were to ask you to make a list tonight of all the people that you feel the closest with, and then I would ask you to make a a list of all the things that you do to connect with people, confiding and sharing laments and hopes and dreams and feelings, that you would find that the, you would look at this list and you would say, oh, the reason why I feel close to all these people is because I do these things. How about the people that you, are you, anybody else here, a greeting card person in your families for birthdays and Christmas and other things like that, Mother's Day, Father's Day, just me? I'm the only one that buys cards, thank you. Vanessa, their family was not a card family growing up. They did gifts, but they weren't, they weren't a card family. And so when we got married, we realized, right? She was like, I have to buy him a card. He's buying me cards. I have to buy him cards. And in our family, you don't just buy the card. 
right? You're underlying the important words in the car. Thank, thank you. Thank you, right? If you just buy a card and sign it, you have not bought a card for somebody, right? You're just, you're just, you're, you're, you're fulfilling an obligation, right? But, but buying a card is an act of expression. It, it's, they might be somebody else's words. Look at this. When you underline it, it becomes your own. It's like you made up that word for them. When I, I still get cards from, when I get cards from my mom, I can't, I open it up, I can't wait to see which words she underlined. And then I wonder which, why she didn't underline others. But then I'm going my own journey of therapy for that. I'm on my own journey of therapy for that. So, so, so there's words that were underlined, and then it doesn't matter how much the person who made the card writes, you still have to write all of your own stuff in it. Right, so if you get a card and you just sign it, you're not, you're not doing it the right. I'm helping you out here, people. Helping you out. You've got to underline words, and then, then you've got to write a, a message yourself that goes on the card. And then if you, you might not be ready for this, but you, if you are a real expert card giver, then after you sign your name, you put X's and O's at the bottom, which means hugs and kisses in the South. Am I, am I right? Am I right? And then the number of X's and O's that you put on there, right? You, you do not put the same number of husbands. Do not put the same number of X's and O's in the cards that you send to your mother, that you send to your wife. Your wife should have more X's. I am helping you out tonight, people. There should be more X's and O's to the love of your life. You understand what I'm talking about because you do these things in your everyday life. Why? Because acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy. Acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy. Praise is not a religious tradition. Praise is a relational treasure. Let me say that again. Praise is not a religious tradition, praise is a relational treasure. In hearing all of that, let's hear these verses again, and maybe you'll hear them in a, in a new light. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus is casting vision for what your life should be like. He's painting a picture for what your life can become. He's describing for you and for me what we can have and share with God, our Heavenly Father. If you only see it as a commandment, you will view it as an obligation. But when you begin to see it as a promise, which is how I also believe he intended it, you will begin to see it as a prize. You will begin to see it as a prize. It's Jesus himself saying to you, you can share a feeling in your heart for God that is deep and abiding and intimate and personal and filled with affection. Your view of who God is and the relationship that you can have with them will begin to frame your practice and motivate your pursuit. When you come into an environment like this and a setting like this and you begin to step into moments of worship that are expressive in nature, when you begin to step into moments of praise that are expressive 
in nature, it is an invitation to you to begin to take feelings that are in here and begin to share them with him. These songs are like greeting cards that you're getting at the local CVS or Walgreens. You're borrowing someone else's words and you're using them to convey sentiments to God. You take them, someone else wrote them, someone else came up with them, but you're borrowing those words because those words give voice to feelings that are in here, right? Acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy. There are sentiments that are stirring inside of you that maybe that you didn't even know were there. And then when these words come up on the screen, you're able to take those. And then you, you borrow that. And then you, 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 it becomes an instrument of expression for you. And because of this principle of acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy, as you begin to take those words and begin to talk to God about how you feel, you begin to talk to God about what you believe about him, you begin to declare things, sometimes the words are restating things that God has said about you. Acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy. I'm telling you, people that feel the closest to God are the people that have a pattern of talking with God. People that feel the closest to God are the people that have a pattern of talking with God. And praise is simply a means of communicating to God in song. Now, you might not be a singer. I'm not a singer. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. But it doesn't mean that the practice of praise isn't still a meaningful part of my Christian experience because God doesn't care what you sound like. What God cares about is the sentiment of your heart that you are expressing to him. If God knew that we weren't all going to be able to sing, if he knew we weren't all going to be musicians, then why did he make praise part of it? Can I just tell you why I think that is in part? Because it enables us to share in the moment together, right? It, it, you, you can imagine how chaotic it would be if we all just came into a room and for 30 minutes we were just all having an outward conversation with God on our own. Mute, this, the idea of songs and music allow us to share in this experience together. It's genius, isn't it? It allows us to, to, to share, So, which we don't have time to go into it tonight, but not, not only does that, which we might in this series, so, so then that shared experience also begins to create and build intimacy with each other because we're sharing something with one another. Praise is not a religious tradition. You might come in here on a Saturday night and say, this isn't part of my religious tradition. This isn't part of what I have experienced in the past, what I would say is good because then you don't have to overcome all of that wrong thinking. If you've not been around church your whole life, if you're watching from online and you've not been around this, this idea of psalmic worship, then I would say good because then you don't have to unlearn anything. You, you get to step into it fresh. You, you get to step into it. It's brand new. And you get to see it not as a sing-along but you get to see it for what it is. It's you sharing your heart with your creator. Somebody say, when I posture.
Acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy. And physical posturing emphasizes the sentiment and amplifies the feeling. You tracking with me? The principle we just laid down, right, is that acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy. Right? Your, your greatest need in life is to know God and to be known by him. So when you begin to step into these moments of expression, feelings of intimacy for God begin to grow inside of you and, and, and feelings of being loved by him begin to grow inside of you. Now, now what we're going to do is we're going to take that principle of acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy and we're going to overlay on top of it, we're going to overlay on top of it this idea of posturing. You with me? All right, I'm going to, even though you didn't say you were, I'm going to trust that you are. Acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy, and physical posturing emphasizes the sentiment and amplifies the feeling. It emphasizes the sentiment, meaning that whatever is in here that you're trying to talk to God about, it brings emphasis to that. It helps you get that feeling out. And then by physical posturing, not only are you emphasizing the sentiment, you're amplifying the feeling. M meaning that the feelings of love that are going to grow inside of you are going to get amplified because of physical posturing. Now, let me give you an example of how you do this in your everyday life. Michael Terrence is going to come up and help me. Vanessa's going to bring the... I know, come on, you can clap for Michael. Thank you. When you're done with that, you can just give that back to Vanessa. Can, can I just brag on this guy for a minute? Can I do that? Can I brag on him for a minute? I, I invited him up here because I knew he was going to be a willing participant. But can I just tell you, every time I'm at church and he sees me doing something, he walks over and he says to me, hey, can I help you with that? When we're cleaning up after the cookie reception and I've got a table in my hand, he walks over to me. He says, can I take that table for you? So good on you, mom. Good on you. Yeah. All right. So what's, what's, your, what's your favorite restaurant? If you could go to any restaurant in Newport News, what would you pick? This one up here. There you go. That's a difficult one. Uh, I would have to say... That's actually really difficult. All right. But I will say Demoshi. You ever been there? No. So, What's it called? Demoshi. Demoshi. I, I don't know how to pronounce right. it, but it's really Demoshi. Good. Demoshi? You know this restaurant? How do I say it? Demoshi. All right. Demoshi. I'm going to work on that. All right, we're going to pretend that we're at Demoshi. All right? I have no idea where that is or what kind of food I'm eating. But I'm... But I'm all right. So we're, we're at Demoshi. Right. Right? And we're sitting down. And I look over. Because I've never been to this restaurant before. I'm checking it out. And I see somebody I know. And you know what I'm going to do when I see him? I'm going to go, I wave to you. I wave to you as well. And then I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to say, I hug you. I hug you as well. And then if you're watching this, what are you going to say? Okay, those people are weird. Right? Am I right? If, 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 you're, if you were to be in Demoshi with us, and you saw me see someone I recognize, and I said, I wave to you, and he says, I wave to you, and then I stand up and I say, I hug you, and he says, I hug you, you're thinking to yourself, we should leave here immediately. <laughs> right? Would that not be odd? All right, let's, well, let's rewind it. Rewind it. 
Demoshi. What kind of food do they serve at Demoshi? Now I'm all curious. Asian? All right. They have dumplings there? All right. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I need some dumplings from Demoshi later. All right, so I'm at Demoshi. I'm all excited because I've ordered my dumplings. I like them steamed, not fried. And, 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 and then all of a sudden I, I look over and I see Michael. And this is what I'm going to do. Hey, it's Michael. And I'm going to get up because I'm a friendly person. And as I'm walking towards him, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to extend my hands. Hey, it's so good to see you. Good to see you too. Man. Thank you for How paying you for today? my dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got, a, I got a Starbucks gift card for Michael. Here it is right here. Thank you for being a good sport. And you can give that mic, mic back to Vanessa. So good. He's a good sport, isn't he? Are, are, you, are you tracking with me? You... You are a normal per. Okay, most of you are normal people. When, when you see someone you know, you wave. And, and then if there is an opportunity to go towards that person, if, you're, if you're, you're going to begin to use your body to communicate to that person, I, I want to hug you. And then there is an, a, an embrace that you share. Why? Because you have lived your whole life learning from people around you that body language and body posturing is important. It's, an, it's important because it emphasizes whatever sentiment you're trying to convey and it amplifies the feelings that you have. If I see him and I say, I wave to you and I hug you, there is no emphasis of sentiment and there's no implication of feeling. Even though you cannot see God with your physical eyes and I cannot see him with my physical eyes, he is no less real than every other person that's in this room. And so much of what the Bible is teaching us is how we can begin to connect with our creator in meaningful ways. And I love that the vast majority of the time, the ways that we are instructed to connect with him are ways that we already connect with each other. This, 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 this idea of, of using your physical body is a practice that you use every day. So let's build on the principle. Acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy. So when I praise, feelings of love toward God grow in me and feelings of being loved by God grow in me. Physical posturing emphasizes the sentiment being expressed and amplifies the feeling of love growing in me. The reason why I make generic this idea of sentiment being expressed is because different people might be expressing different sentiments. You, you might be, have this, this, it might have had a week where you're just, you're on top of the world and so worship for you is a celebration. Somebody else might, they're having a, maybe the worst week of their life and so theirs is a lament, right? And so worship, you're able, whatever the sentiment is, you bring it to the moment. And physical posturing brings emphasis to the sentiment and amplification to the feeling of love. This is why the Bible uses the word yada. To revere or worship with extended hands. 
to hold out your hands. So many times in Psalms where you see the word praise, in Hebrew it's not just the word praise, it's the word yada. Psalm 67.3, let's look at it together. Psalm 67.3 reads this way, may the people praise, when Jewish people first heard this, when this was written, they didn't see the word praise, they saw yada. May the people yada you, lift up their hands to you, God. May the people praise you, may the people yada you. This idea of outstretched hands is an important part of our practice. It might mean different things to you in different moments. For me, more often than not, it's this idea of posturing myself in this moment of embrace with my Heavenly Father. Sometimes it's a moment of surrender. Sometimes my praise is lifting up my hands and it's a yada moment because I, I, I know that that. that his sovereignty is what protects me. That his sovereignty is perfect in every way because he always has my best interest at heart. It's my way of saying to my soul, we're going to trust him even when it's hard. My outstretched hands might be a, a, a moment of victory. Right? If, if you're a parent and, 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 and your kids, as soon as they get out of upward sports and get into sports where they actually keep score and there's winners and losers and your kid's on the winning team, right? you get excited. You're, you're on the sideline. You're cheering. Right? Some, sometimes worship is, is this feeling of victory and celebration. Sometimes it's holding out my hands. It's, I, I have them like this because I have this sense that, that I'm supposed to receive something from God. All the ways that you physically posture yourself in everyday, ordinary life. God says to you and me, through the Psalms, it's yada. Bring that into your experience. Because physical posturing emphasizes the sentiment, amplifies the feeling. Barak is the other word that's used oftentimes in referring to praise as it's translated, it means to kneel. It means to bless God in an act of adoration. It means to praise. It means to salute. It means to thank. Look at this verse in Psalm 100, verse 4. Psalm 100, verse 4. I love this one because in our Bibles, we get praise three times, but in the Hebrew, it's three completely different words, right? I, and I love this one too because it's, it's I, I enter his gates with, with Yadah. I mean, I'm just coming into church with my hands up. Whether it's celebration, whether it's embrace, whether it's surrender, whether it's receiving, whatever that moment, I'm coming into church with outstretched arms. And then it says, and then you go into his courts with praise, tehillah, which is a song in your heart, means that there's a, a moment of singing that you're, you can't wait to step into. Because you understand that this moment of singing, you're going to be able to borrow someone else's words and they're going to carry the sentiment of your heart to your God in intimacy. And then you're going to share in that experience with other people. And then I love it. It says, give thanks to him and pray Barak his name. Right? Which means that whether you do it physically, I, I hope if you're physically able that there will be times in worship where you just get on your knees. Don't, don't worry about what people are going to think around you. Don't, 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 don't worry about if other people are going to think you're weird. You are weird, okay? We all are in our own way. So let's just get over ourselves. 
This, this, this moment of kneeling before God, it's all throughout Scripture. There is something about posturing your body that emphasizes the sentiment and amplifies the feeling. All of these words right here in this one verse. All of these words right here in this one. If you're only ever reading the English Bible, right, we miss all of this. We're so grateful for this understanding and this revelation. Can can we just remind ourselves that the Bible was not just written for modern-day Americans? It just wasn't, right? Kneeling and bowing is not a huge part of our cultural norm, but it's a massive part of the cultural norms of people all over the world. And it has been a part of cultural norms all over the world, it's important that we remember that the, the, the Bible is written for all people for all time. And, and, and some things are practices that bring emphasis to other cultures. But even though kneeling is not a part of our regular culture, what I, what I would encourage you is experiment with it a little bit. If, if you've ever played sports, you've heard a coach say, take a knee. You know why a coach says that? Because they understand In that moment where you take a knee, there's something about posturing your body that brings you focus in that moment. When a player gets injured on the field, what will you see? You'll see people take a knee, right? Because they're deferring to the moment. Deferring to the moment. Kneeling, Barak, raising the hands, yada, the physical posture of worship. Acts of expression lead to feelings of intimacy. And when I engage my physical body in those acts of praise, there is an emphasis of the sentiment and there is an amplification of the feeling in my heart. Genesis 18.2 reads this way. This is talking about Abram when the angels were coming to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. It says, he looked up, noticed three men standing nearby who we know they were angels. When he saw them, he ran to meet them, welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. 1 Kings 8.54 says, when Solomon finished these prayers and petitions to the Lord, right, this is dedicating the temple, he stood up in front of the altar. Why did he stand up? Where he had been kneeling with his hands raised toward heaven. Matthew 18.25, I love this. This is the story of the Syrophoenician woman. But she came and she knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. There is something about bending your knee. Do you need to bend your do you need to kneel every time you pray? No. But you should some. Do you need to kneel every time you worship? No, but you should some. Can I tell you one of my fondest memories? It was in my house. My parents had a kneeling bench because we grew up in the Episcopal Church at the foot of their bed. And they knelt on that. I'm here today because my parents prayed for me faithfully. Faithfully. It's a powerful thing to bend your knee in a moment of expression to your God. Matthew 22, 34 to 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He wasn't just trying to outsmart them. 
Jesus wasn't just trying to be clever. He wasn't trying to be the smartest person in the room. What he was trying to say to them, and so often I need to hear it myself, is that you're asking all the wrong questions for all the wrong reasons. You're You're trying to be academic and intellectual right here in this moment. I think what Jesus was saying to them and what what he was communicating to them is really it's about being relational. Is there learning? Yes. Is there truth? Yes. Are there things that we need to get right? Yes. Is asking questions part of our relationship with God? Yes. But all that comes after. The most important thing is do you have in your heart feelings of love and intimacy and affection towards God? Because if you do, I guarantee you, it's because you have a practice of talking with him, both in prayer and in praise, in a way in which you engage your physical body to posture, especially through yada, the raising of hands, and barak, kneeling. Invite the worship team to come back up. We talked about when I praise. We talked about when I posture. Somebody say, when I participate. This is Revelation 4. It's a short chapter. I want to read it. It says, Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit and saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. And the one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like jasper and carillion. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them, and they were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads, and from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumble of thunder, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the seven-fold Spirit of God. And in front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal, And in the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. And the first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. And the third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and without. And day after day and night after night, they kept saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living beings gave glory and honor and thanks to one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, and they would lay their crowns before his feet and they would say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things. And everything that you created exists for your pleasure. When I participate, As much as we've talked tonight about worship being about the building of intimacy and affection in your heart, which it is, which it is, which I think is one of the reasons why God calls us to a place of praise. May may we never forget, may we never forget that so much a part of this practice of worship and so much a part of stepping into these moments of praise, it's not just for what's happening in our heart, it's because the glory of God draws it out of us Every time we step into moments of praise, we aren't just stepping into a moment of praise with each other. We're stepping into a moment of praise with all of heaven. With all of heaven, singing a song, 
lifting up his glory, giving honor to the one to whom it is due. Stand with me. Father, I pray for this series. I pray that these moments of worship that we, these sermons are going to bring us all into. I pray for these, whether people are at home watching online or whether they're here in this room tonight, I pray. Set us free from our inhibitions. Set us free from the fear of being conspicuous. Set us free from the fear of man. And may it be that something inside of us would long to speak to you about the feelings that are deep in our heart. No matter what our personality might be, no matter how experienced we might think we are or aren't in moments of these praise, that we would borrow these words, that many times that your Holy Spirit has inspired some creative to write, we would take them and make them our own. And in our song, we're underlining them, highlighting them, and casting them up into the heavens, carrying the sentiment of our heart whether it be a testimony of victory or a lament of sadness and brokenness. And that our posture of praise would bring emphasis to every sentiment, amplify every feeling of love. That the great commandment would not just be something that we're obliged to fulfill, but it would be a vision of a life that we hope and long to have. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said together, amen.